Hi everyone, uh, Lloyd here and this is my season review for the 9320 podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, where to start? I mean, what a, what a season it, it's been. Um, you know, kind of normally and, and previously, I think these kind of season reviews have had some sort of a post-mortem feel to them, kind of looking back at what went wrong and how things can be fixed. But I think ultimately that's incredibly difficult given the season's achievements. But um, saying that, I will try and bring an element of that as I do think it's a bit more instructive and a little bit more interesting than just, you know, waxing lyrical. But before we get to that, I think there's a few things that need to be said. Um, so, yeah, first of all, I mean, I think the most important thing for me to take away from the season is we got 100 points, 100 points in the modern Premier League. Um, you know, absolutely ridiculous. I think for me, this is probably the most competitive the Premier League's ever been. I think the top six are stronger than they've ever been, you know, even despite Chelsea and Arsenal's relative underperformance this season. And, you know, even despite the wealth of the masses, I think, you know, there's so much of the quality now is is saturated in the kind of top six, that top bit of the league. And, you know, 100 points also means we only drop 14 from a possible 114, which, you know, again, is just ridiculous. And, and in short, I'm just so glad that we managed to make it to that milestone because I think this team really does deserve to be remembered. And I think, you know, the most important thing, as you know, many people have said, is that that tag will stick forever now. And also it's the perfect title for Howard's book, uh, which which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, anyway, on the season as a whole, for me personally, it's been beyond compare um, in my lifetime as a City fan. Definitely my most enjoyable season um, 2011, 2001-2 uh, uh, coming up from the old first division was great. Uh, you know, with Berkovic, with Bernabia, um, and with Gota, you know, banging them in before we we came up, and that was great. You know, 2012 was amazing for obvious reasons, but this season has just been on another level for me. Um, and I think what's made it so enjoyable has, has been the football that we've played. And I think I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen a team plays such a consistent league campaign at such a high level before. I mean, possibly Barca under Pep, you know, from that 2008-2011 kind of era. But I honestly didn't watch all of their games, so, I, it, you know, it would be remiss of me to say um, and comment on them. And uh, so, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I've seen it. And and generally, the other thing is we haven't just been teams who have absolutely battered them. Um, so, you know, I think the 6-0 away at Watford stands out. That was a a near followers performance. Um, Aguero was amazing in that game, obviously. And then also the 7-2 at home to Stoke, which featured two of the best passes I think I've ever seen from Kevin De Bruyne. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, those being, you know, the reverse pass to Sane for Sterling's goal. And then, of course, you know, that pass for Sane's goal, which took about five players out of the game. Genuinely one of the best passes I've ever seen. But um, back to the team as a whole. Um, yeah, I think the probably the most impressive thing for me has been the dominance and the control that we've showed in the big games because that was the thing that we really, really struggled with last season. And, you know, in most of the big games last season, we were, you know, we were good for large parts. We were probably the better team, we probably deserved to win. But as Pep always says, and, you know, it, it has a bit of a ring to it, in both boxes, we just lacked that killer instinct, whether that was the finish or whether that was... Um, you know, just cleaning up and defending. And I think that really, really changed the season. Obviously, 
it was a completely different story. And we had, you know, the performance away at Stamford Bridge, probably the most one-sided 1-0 I think I've ever seen, with the with the caveat being that company game uh, against United in 2012. Um, we had the win away at Old Trafford, another incredibly dominant performance despite the close result. We had the demolishment of Arsenal, um, you know, inside 45 minutes, which was only four days after the cup final. Managed to get ourselves back up for that. And then the win away against Spurs, you know, after the horror week of, of Liverpool and United, um, which I think, you know, really was is the only kind of real blot on the copybook um, that week and, all, you know, mainly the, the games at Anfield. But in terms of the league game, you know, I don't honestly think you know, with a bit of perspective, it isn't that much of a surprise given our record there and given Pep's record against Klopp. Um, but yeah, that does bring me, you know, nicely onto the slightly more negative aspects of the season, which I'll just cover quickly. But uh, in terms of that, so first of all, the league game at Anfield, like I said before, it was really frustrating. Um, we were still on for an unbeaten season by mid-January, but. I think that as a one-off performance for me, despite how frustrating it was at the time, I think it was excusable. And yes, it was really frustrating. And yes, you know, Stones and Otamendi in particular completely folded. But when the opposition plays as well as Liverpool did that day and they blitzed us in that kind of 20-minute period, sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and say, you know, fair play, you got the better of us there. And um, we showed some good fight to get it back to 4-3. So to be honest, I can forgive that performance. The, the contrary to that is it's the performance in the Champions League at Anfield that really, really bugs me because we knew what was coming. We'd seen it all before, literally two months previous, and we bottled it. The players didn't turn up. It was just, it was a really weird performance. We, we started, I thought, really well, actually, in the first 15, kind of 20 minutes. Kind of the start we would have wanted, completely took the sting out of the game. But as soon as we went behind, everything folded like a pack of air. Pep deserved a bit of criticism here and it's something I spoke about briefly in Howard's end of season re- review book and obviously you know, I do want to couch this by the fact that I am nitpicking um, and I'm trying to come at it with that little bit of a different angle because with a 100 point season I think it is just very boring to to go on and on about the, the ridiculousness but and I think it's worthy of, of some discussion but I do think that there is this kind of propensity of Pep to overthink things both tactically and in terms of personnel in the biggest games. And I think it's something that has been best captured by Jonathan Liu's piece in The Independent, which I refer all of you to go and have a look at if you're interested, Um, which kind of documents how Pep's been guilty of it before. Um, Obviously, you know, for Bayern against Real Madrid, when he changed his tactics in 2014 from what, uh, you know, and it's, this is documented in Marty's book as well, from a 3-4-3 to a 4-2-3-1, then back to a 4-2-4 after speaking to his players the night before. And he said it was his biggest mistake in coaching after the game. And then the following year, there was the 5-0. Uh, sorry, that was the 5-0. And then the following year, there was the game against Barca in 2015 on defence against Neymar Suarez Messi. And obviously it goes horribly wrong too. But essentially, I think I'm just... What I'm trying to get is I'm just I am a bit concerned as a trend, uh, and I think it's a, as Jonathan said and put it really well. I think it is a difficult trend to quantify, and I don't think he's particularly opting for one thing over the other. I think it's just a tendency to try and find a unique solution, and, and I think sometimes under the under the most pressure and in in that kind of environment, Pep has has kind of 
been shown up a little bit in terms of his overthinking. And I, I think, for to be honest, we saw that in the League Cup final, despite the win. Um, and as good a day out as that was, I do think the decision to play Gundogan as that fourth midfielder to add that bit of control completely disrupted the fluency. And I think it was the same against Liverpool. Um, but for Gundogan, again, for the same reasons, I don't think it just left us completely looking one-paced and lacking that double-edged threat that we've had with Sane and Sterling. But, you know, hopefully this is something that Pep can learn from um, and that he can look back on and say, you know, maybe I should have stuck to what made us so successful throughout the season. But I do have a niggling doubt that that's not how we'll see it. But, you know, time will be uh, the best judge of that. But anyway, that's the end of the negatives. I, I really don't want to dwell on that too much. I just thought it was worthy of discussion. Um, I mean, obviously... Well, just quickly, I think obviously the United loss was gutting at the time. I don't think I've ever been that pissed off at a match before. Um, but ultimately, this this is what I mean about the positivity. When you take a step back, it really wasn't as much of a big deal as we thought it was. It was at the time. You know, I, I would have loved it more than anything to win the league against that self entitled fan base. And yes, I was celebrating the title win on the concourse at halftime. But you know, we've got to have a bit of perspective. We romped 100 points. They lost to West Brom, every cloud. Um, so, yeah, happy days, really. Um, but yeah, before I go on to kind of touch on the youth players in the academy, which is something I always try and um, document in these kind of end-of-season reviews, is I think it's important for me anyway to mention a few players in particular. Um, and like Paul said, I think, you know, you could literally mention every single one of this match day 18 that turned out, you know, on the regs. But I do think, for me anyway, there are a few that deserve a particular mention. And, you know, maybe they're not the uh, the ones that you'd think of in terms of the guys that got in the uh, team of the season. But yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, so first of all, for me, Fernandinho. I said it. I actually said in my season preview for the Observer. And I'll quote myself here, actually. I said, central midfield is our problem. A lot will depend on Gundogan's return, which is a massive risk given his injury record and the age of his replacements in Fernandinho, 32, and Torre, 34. But the difficulty is we can't address every area of the squad in one window. I mean, looking back on that, I can't believe how wrong I was. Um, Fernandinho's had an unbelievable season, was you know, he was absolutely crucial to the way we played, both with and without the ball. And ultimately, he was the perfect foil to De Bruyne and Silva. Um, and I do think there'll inevitably be a drop-off next season when he plays less. Um, you know, if Jorginho comes in as expected, which you know looks very much like the case at the moment and features quite heavily, then I do think there'll be a drop-off because I think Fernandinho has just mastered that number six position so well clearly been tutored by Pep you know someone that played in that position and um, he's been a joy to behold so yeah big up to Fernandinho uh, next for me I think uh, it has to be Raheem Sterling um, Sterling's taken his game up you know yet another level this season under Guardiola I honestly can't give him enough credit for um, for, for for what he's done and you know for me especially given what he's had to enjoy over this last 7-10 to 10 days I think the way in which he's fronted up to the nation's media on Tuesday, um, in spite of everything that's happened, I was just so impressed. I thought it was incredibly mature, incredibly self-assured. 
and certainly something I wouldn't have done. Uh, you know, who's someone speaking who's the same age as Sterling. I, don't, I honestly don't think I'd have had the mental fortitude to do that. And yeah, I've just been so impressed. And, you know, when, when we look back at his season, you know, yes, I think, you know, it's, it's fair to say he had a few hairy moments, a few horror misses. But, you know, the most important thing is he scored a genuine handful of last minute winners, snatched us points from the jaws of defeat on, you know, quite a few occasions. More often than not, fair enough, it was, you know, from the jaws of a draw, if that's an expression. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've just been so impressed with Sterling this season. And I think Gary Neville's analysis of him on Monday Night Football was incredibly instructive and um, points toward the kind of player he can become. And I think the most important thing in, in becoming a player like that is his mentality. And for me, I think honestly the biggest praise I can give to Sterling is about his mentality. And I think he has shown himself over you know over his three seasons at City now that he just relentlessly puts himself into the position to make something happen. He never ever shies away. And I, I do think that's something he deserves immense credit for. And whether that's in terms of his mentality to keep putting himself into goal-scoring situations despite previous failures, a little bit like the Spurs game away this season when he missed a few sitters and still put himself into that situation to score, or whether it's in terms of his calmness and his self-assurance to happily put himself in front of the media when so many other people, never mind footballers, wouldn't. Um, so, yeah, Big ups to Raheem as well. I think he he deserves a little section for himself. And then finally, for me, I think I have to mention Fabian Delph. Um, so for those of you following me on Twitter and have, have seen my end of season review in the Observer, I think you'll you'll know I'm a huge fan of Delph and what he's done this season. Um, I was probably more pleased for him to be honest than any other player uh, that that he won the league for a multitude of reasons, really, but. Despite that, I just honestly don't think he, even he got the credit he deserves. Um, I think we, it's easy to forget. He came in in such a difficult situation. We we just left our you know fifty million pound summer signing, a guy who's you know in Mendy's a force of personality and clearly had a huge effect on the squad. Um, but Delph was brilliant, and you know above all else, Delph backed himself and he got his rewards. And I think that's just such an encouraging story for for everyone and for so many footballers out there. Um, and honestly, looking back at Delft's season, I am genuinely struggling to think of more than a handful of mistakes that he's made. He's been that good. Um, you know, I think if we're, if we're genuinely nitpicking, you can look at his first 10 minutes away at Chelsea, but that was his first game. Completely excusable. There was a Rashford goal away at Old Trafford and the sending off against Wigan. But honestly, apart from that, I genuinely can't think of any other times he's been at, at fault in a serious manner. He's been that good. Um, and I think the other thing to say is on the ball, he is so much better than I ever gave him credit for. Technically, in possession, he's fantastic. And he, he's brought a, a fantastic... I've said fantastic a lot. <laughs> he's brought a completely different aspect to our to our play this season when, when Mendy went out. And the way I think him and Walker dovetailed in doing... you know completely different things just work so well and credit to him I'm just incredibly chuffed for Delph um, finally I think just very quick mentions to Edison and Walker um, for me both of whom had transformative effects on the team probably more Edison than Walker if, if, if you're looking to be critical um, who you know like Delph was incredibly unflappable given his first season 
um, well, first season in the top five European league. And yeah, we're incredibly lucky to have both of them. And I hope they both, you know, go, obviously go well at the World Cup. Um, and then finally, I'd just like to give a little mention to the youth team and the progression that the youth team players have made this season, given that's something, you know, me and Steve uh, place, you know, a good, a good burden on in, in the regular podcast that we do. But on the youth teams, I think, to be honest, I've got very little to add to what Paul said in his previous review. I think Paul covered it pretty well um, in that this season was better, but for me, we're still, we're still way off in terms of properly creating and delineating that path to the first team. It's something that could become a real problem, I think, in the next couple of seasons and transfers like Jaden Sancho's really won't help to alleviate that. But there has been some progress and you know, you've know you got to hope with Foden and to some extent Diaz that we will be able to kick on next season. I think personally there is a good chance that Foden will. Um, I know or I've had good assurances that Richard Green, Foden's agent and Foden himself have both both been given strong assurances about next season and this contract that's supposed to run to 2023. Um which I think is obviously positive, but you know the proof will be in the pudding. And I think Foden next season, given a full preseason, needs to be making fifteen to twenty appearances and needs to be making starts in the league. But yeah, fingers crossed he does because I think for me Foden is he kind of encapsulates everything. Um, the, the full situation about this academy, he is you know the boom or bust. I think, and we need him to make the grade. So I think all eyes will be on him next season. I think there's a chance that Brahim could have an impact as well, which I do think will be lessened by the fact if we do sign a Mares or somebody else. But, you know, we'll see. Injuries and plenty of things can take their hold. But I, I think Brahim's also got a chance. The only thing aside from that for me is I was pretty disappointed to see that Maffei was sold. I, do, I did think he could have done a job as our number two right back. But, you know, in hindsight, Danilo featured a lot towards the season end. It looks like he could be Brazil's number number one right back at the World Cup, which is a huge thing, um, especially given Danny Alves' age. And I think the other thing is it has become clear now, as much as I don't like to hear it, and Steve and whoever, that nine times out of ten, I think, when a player goes on loan, he won't be coming back to City. Um, there will be exceptional cases, but I think generally that is the rule of thumb. Um and that's just the reality of modern football. But anyway, fingers crossed for next season on that front. And I think the other, the other thing to look at is that I think the World Cup will play into the hands of the youngsters really nicely in terms of the pre-season tour. So that'll definitely be something to, to watch out for. But that's it. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. I'm furious. I'm furious that we won the worst Premier League ever. I know Liverpool are incredible, yet finished fourth, and that Chelsea didn't even qualify for the Champions League. The league was rank average this year. That's why everyone knew City would win the league this season. Just look at those pre-season journalist predictions. I'm furious that we dropped the same number of points at home as away. Seriously, what top team fails to win three home games? That's a failure rate of almost 16%. I'm furious about Raheem Sterling. First... I agree with Five Live that he's driving up knife crime with that gun tattoo. He cost us two points at Burnley, three at United. Why didn't he score versus Huddersfield? He couldn't even bother to play at Anfield. Yes, he scored 18 Premier League goals, late winners and equalisers in numerous games. But he's got to do better next season. 
and he's got to cut out the food as well. I'm furious that we collapsed in at least three matches all season, three, including twice against Liverpool. And Liverpool never do anything against anybody. I'm furious we didn't get 18 points in the Champions League group. It's a disgrace that the players couldn't raise themselves for the critical game versus Shakhtar. The Liverpool teams of the 80s and the United teams of the 90s always got 18 points. Probably pedigree. I'm furious that this City team were unable to prove themselves as one of the best Premier League teams of all time. It's obvious to have one of the best seasons in the Premier League. You need to do it over multiple seasons. I'm furious that Sean Dyche didn't win Manager of the Year. An impressive 12-game unwinning run. 16 home goals and almost... A neutral goal difference. Plus, he led two goalies into the extended England squad and Pep couldn't get one in. I'm furious that Channel 4 haven't done a documentary tracking Kevin De Bruyne's birth and growth in Ghent. It could have looked at his challenging footballing journey starting with that tricky time at an unknown London club before he was picked up from obscurity by City. And when are the... British Museum going to do a Belgium exhibition. So disappointing. I'm furious that Bernardo Silva turned up at Portugal's training camp in a smart car. Paul Pogba wouldn't be seen dead in one. Up your ego, Bernardo. You need to spend less time with David. But mostly, I'm furious that we have to start the 2018-19 season. season on level points with everyone else. Have the Premier League never heard of rollover? I'm Kerry Collins and this is my 9320 pod season review. Um, I've been thinking about what to say and I didn't really feel like I had anything interesting to say that probably hasn't already been said. So I just thought I'd maybe try and say something in an interesting way instead. Blue skies high over the sky blue shirts, lifting the trophy high for the third time in seven years. After several years of tears and fears going back to the days of tears for fears. We'd been here before, but never like this. We'd outpassed and outclassed, outfought and outfought every single team that came to our door and we'd won the league earlier than it was ever won before. The season began with hope and excitement. We knew last year was a prolonged experiment. We saw the development and called the potential, even if Alison Rudd thought we'd be a shit show. Two games in and we dropped points already, but we know why that was. Thank you, Bobby Madley. Then we began the incredible run when we ran and shot and scored for fun. A blue moon so strong the tide washed away the rivals. Even the Red Scousers we finally beat 5-0. Players treating every game like a final, scoring in the final second, snatching victory from the jaws of a draw, something we'd only ever done a few times before. Sterling sent off for celebrating, Aguero kept on remonstrating with the heavy-handed handling of our travelling fanbase, the team and fans together in a way we'd never felt it. And so the players continued the run, we blew away the scum, we blew away everyone. It was fun. It couldn't last forever but the blip was short-lived. The crumble never happened and the rival fans were flattened thinking we were spent but we came back again and went from strength to strength. Then, a chance for the ultimate redemption. After years of praying we wouldn't be playing the scum as we fought off relegation, we had a chance to win it against them. And 45 minutes in, it was looking like happening and that banner would be fed back to them. Except, typical City is still deep within, and we somehow snatched defeat from the jaws of a win, 
But this time we shrugged and smiled and laughed, knowing we'd win it next week. Instead, well, United got giddy and it went to their head. And we all sat back and clocked how they finally became everything they mocked us for for all those years. We're your cup final, they now yell through tears. It turns out we are their cup final. As they then lost to West Brom, and we won it without the lads even putting their city shirts on, the players in their slippers putting their kids to bed suddenly hit the pub with the fans instead. And so we marched on to become centurions, a feat never achieved by anyone. Breaking every record to leave us in no doubt this is the best team ever, despite what the others shout. Special mention for David and his son Matteo. The play the way he did going through what he was makes him an even bigger hero. And so on to Pep. A man after my own hairline. A man with a plan more technical than an airline. A genius we are getting to see in our lifetimes. And we saw Alan Ball tell them to keep that ball by the touchline. No superlatives are enough to sum up this season. Our manager, our players, the chemistry, the feeling. Martin Tyler once said, You'll never see anything like this again. And he was right. Nobody will. But we did. And we were there. This is City. This is karma. This is what we deserve from players to manager. But we still sing the songs about never winning home or away. Because we are City. And this is our day. <laughs>